0: Okay, I have a question. What's that? What do you think about this idea in philosophy that consent is morally transformative, that you take any old encounter and you make it morally okay with consent, magically, just that one little thing can turn a, an assault into Well, I'm exaggerating, a positive experience.
1: Yeah, I think like a magical experience would be one where consent and like positive things happen the whole time.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, you could still argue that consent magically turns each portion of sexual encounter into something legal, but something Mm -hmm. good and ethical sex.
1: I don't know if we can move time backwards that way, even with magic.
0: (laughs) Just something magical about one person listening to another person, empathizing with another person, communicating, and reading them. That's the magic we want. That's like the true connection magic. Right. I think that would be ideal for any sexual encounter. Which is a great way to introduce our podcast today on the the Aziz Ansari date. Yes. AKA consent part two,
1: because we love talking about consent. Yes.
0: So, we're the Sex and Ethics Podcast. I'm Sharon Lamb. And I'm Madeline Broad. And we like to talk about sex Mm -hmm. and ethics and ethics. We're back to our old strategies of thinking a very, very long time about something and then podcasting about it.
1: I don't think it's a bad thing. I think we just get a chance to have some really deep thoughts. We need to kind of like meditate on this type of stuff for a while.
0: We don't rush in. When all of the podcasters and the op-ed columnists are writing about the Aziz Ansari Day, we we take it all in and we stroke our beards. <laughs> <laughs> You like that one? I do. You? And we consider, all, and we listen to public opinion. And I'll be representing some of the arguments I've had with people over the last few months. Gosh, I don't even know when this came out. Yeah, we'll be talking about old old stuff that remains sadly ever knew.
1: And I feel like it's just like a really good case study, not to get like too academic about this because we try and have fun, but I think it's a good example of some of the issues that we struggle with when we think about consent.
0: Should we start off with something really in the news though? Like maybe the person who came out a couple days ago who was on our president's uh, campaign team Mm -hmm. and he leaned over and out of the blue kissed her. Wow. Wow. Um, It sounded like it was a yucky kiss, not a peck on the cheek or the forehead. And I don't know, I read about it and her words were things like she felt really weird, she felt violated, it was yucky, didn't know what to do, that sort of thing. I don't know, is there anything to say about it except yuck? I think yuck is is a good
1: way to start talking about it but i think just like we were talking about the magic of consent i think we also i personally prize the words of the opinions of the person who it happened to not so much the person who did the doing if that makes sense so she felt yucky i'm all on board with her yuckiness
0: well it's it's kind of funny. It just reminds me was when I was a teenager and Matt Cohen lunged at me and tried to kiss me when we were just friends, and I like reacted and I was mad at him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "You're gonna, you're gonna freak out about this word." I thought you wanted it. Woo! <laughs> All right. And he said you were doing this thing with your lips. What so were you doing with your lips? I have no idea. But <laughs> at least I got some feedback on this mis, you know, miscommunication hypothesis. Mm. So. And Anyway, I guess it's a different version of your "My Dress, My Little Black Dress" does not mean yes. Yes. In case Matt Cohen's out there listening to this, I did. He contacted me. 50 years later. Really? Not about that, just about other things. And I reminded him of that incident. Uh We remained friends after it. It didn't mean anything to him. He didn't remember it at Mm. all. Just, I won't say I was assaulted or I was even disturbed. It stayed with me, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) And it's a lunge. It's an attack. And I wasn't traumatized, but it stays with you.
1: We've had a lot of conversations, and maybe we'll do another podcast episode about the way that we talk about the trauma of rape, Mm -hmm. or trauma of one of these types of violations. There's not like a universal way of reacting to it, and some people don't even have a lot of distress about it, but it does stick in your memory if Mm -hmm. it happens. Mm -hmm. sounds like you weren't distressed, but it is something that you remember.
0: Right. And it's also this thing that I love about the Me Too movement that it encompasses everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to call that before Hashtag Me Too, I used to call it Little Murders, because there was yes. a play. Have I talked about that before? I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. So I'd oh. love for them to know, because I
1: really liked our conversation about that.
0: Yeah, there was a Jules Pfeiffer play that I saw when I was a teenager called Little Murder. And it was just about how murder was just a part of life and everyone was accepting it. Mm -hmm. And you can use that for the Me Too movement too. These things add up, kind of another way of talking about microaggressions. These are little murders to your soul when you're constantly being treated as an object. Absolutely. Death by a thousand cuts. Oh good. That's why it's so important to include kisses that Mm -hmm. used to be called stolen kisses that were made fun of in Georgie Porgy. (laughs) <laughs> well, remember, he kissed the girls and made them cry. Yeah! And when the boys came out to play, when the girls came out to play, no, when the boys came out to play? Forget Maybe Georgie Porgie was queer. That's what I am remember right now. <laughs> Why was he kissing the
1: girls? I don't know. I just remember the line about, like, making them cry, and that stuck
0: out to me weirdly as a little kid. This is really off topic. I want to get back to kisses because we do know that the Halle Berry kiss at the Oscars way long ago was really problematic. Absolutely. We didn't see her slap his face and go off the stage. No. There were many things keeping her on that stage at that time, Mm -hmm. which some of that was that she didn't want to ruin the Oscars. She didn't want to embarrass him. She was taken by surprise. She might have just froze. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I also think one of the things I think about with that is, like, the the intersections of race. Because Adrian Brody is, like, a very powerful person. because He's a white dude. Halle Berry is a light-skinned black woman. And I personally, like, concerned about, like, pushing away someone
0: like that. Right, and we saw what happened with the Justin Timberlake and the Janet Jackson, Janet Jackson. thing. Like, who's the star now and who haven't you heard of anymore? Uh, if our listeners haven't heard of that incident, you can just look up Halle Berry. It's a very famous picture. Adrian Brody. Oscars. And that is very timely because we just watched the Oscars the the other night. Yeah, We can put aside kisses and go on to the Aziz Ansari date with the idea that we want to talk about miscommunication and we want to talk about consent and we want to talk about victims not always, oh, maybe I shouldn't say victim yet, whatever. The person who is on the receiving end of unwanted advances does not always know what to do and why would we expect her? To know what to do yeah. immediately, right? And that's what we we offer to Ali Berry when we look at that incident. Okay. So, what's our background for this Aziz Ansari? So, this was published in Bustle. No, mm-hmm. was it in Babe Babe dot net? I don't remember. I thought it was
1: Bustle or or Bitch Magazine.
0: You know, we'll put it on the description. Absolutely. For some so references. you can read it for yourself. Yeah, a lot of people were talking about it. And it's really important to remember that, well, Grace was 22 and she was not the person who wrote this. It was her roommate or a friend of hers who she told the story to, who then told it to a reporter. Named Katie Way. I don't have a problem with that. I wanna be careful about what is being what she says and is quoted as saying to her roommate, and what her roommate or friend is saying, and what the author is saying. Yeah. So let's keep that all straight. Can
1: I add in a like a side note of like I'm not thrilled about the game of telephone that like led to this event coming out. Because of my experiences in working with a rape crisis center, I'm very survivor-centered, and I would have preferred that like the survivor herself came forward about this, but it's not the way it is. It's
0: still a very helpful case study. And I think you would say that you prefer that she be given a voice, if not her own voice, yep. for what happened to her rather than just silencing be... it totally. So they meet at the Emmys. She gives him her phone number. They go out on a date. Mm-hmm. Something is made in this article about him ordering her white wine and not asking, would you prefer red or white? But I think that's the that's like a detail that's included because the narrator is creating a story of the insensitive dude yes
1: it, it almost reminds me of that classic video we watch in like psych 101 about attentional bias where all those kids are playing basketball and you're supposed to count the number of passes that they make and a gorilla walks through the middle of the scene but you're focused <laughs> on on all those passes and so you don't see the gorilla walking through i feel like this retrospectively is drawing your attention to the gorilla kind of thing. Oh, if that yeah. makes sense?
0: Yeah, that's a positive take to it, that these are the signs of a predator. <laughs> I don't know if I would go that far, but I think some, when your gut sets off that alarm of like, I don't know
1: how comfortable I feel with this person, it's based on lots of small incidents like ordering my wine, without I asked. And
0: I just want to say, because you know, I'm always worried about legal consequences and things like that, that I do not think he was a predator any more than is the typical date predatory. Yes. Sadly, the typical date is predatory. That was not an enthusiastic (laughs) yes.
1: That was a resigned yes. Those people exist. Oh my goodness.
0: Okay. So after the date, she did write a text to Ansari saying, I just want to take this moment to make you aware of your behavior and how uneasy it made me.
1: Wow. What a thoughtfully written text message.
0: I usually stuff that's much more silly and stupid in my text to people. It was a very nice note, wasn't it? And he said, clearly I misread things in the moment and I'm truly sorry. Okay. I'm truly sorry. Love it. Clearly I misread things. I think as we go on and we pick apart this date, we're going to question whether that's an honest response. Yeah. Anyway, these, these texts were authenticated in different ways. And so I don't think we're uh, dealing with Russia here. No. <laughs> <laughs> so she was excited. He has more power because he's a celebrity and celebrities. Um, I think also it sets something. I don't know this for a fact, but I imagine that, celebrities just bestow a glance on some people and they sleep with them automatically. Yeah. I think that might be the case. It's, it's no longer the groupie. It's kind of anyone, everyone. Yeah. So we'll give him the expectation that, uh, and we'll say, that's really nice. You went out for dinner first. Steve. Yes. <laughs> Given. Yes. Given he might've assumed, here's somebody who's a fan who wants to sleep with me.
1: Yes. There's also a name for that in the comedy community. What's it's that? called the chuckle fucker.
0: Wait, so the comedian is a chuckle fucker? Or no, no? The-, the comedian attracts chuckle fuckers. <laughs> You're after the chuckle. Yeah, yeah. It's,
1: it's a phenomenon that mostly male comedians experience. Like after the show, there'll be lots of women who said, Oh my God, you did such a great job. And then like they go into bed really quickly. That was a very bad snap. That's a oh. better one. And snap the toxic game. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably within his realm of experience to have someone so easily want to have so bonus points on going to dinner
0: still (laughs) right okay so then they're back at his tribeca apartment where taylor swift has a place too is that included in the narrative to show he's wealthy and that or that the power and it's an impressive it's like she's innocent awestruck fan a little bit. Yeah because doesn't she live in like an entirely different borough probably Brooklyn Brooklyn or something something, yeah. yeah
1: some places it's cool but like definitely like less expensive so I think it's kind of setting up this
0: we're from two different worlds type of thing. And she walks in and compliments his marble countertops in the kitchen. Oh my god you know where I'm going on this one. I hate. Every movie has that scene where the guy lifts the woman up on the kitchen counter and does it to her there. No foreplay as as well she's like totally ready Mm -hmm. and she's like a steak (laughs) on the cutting board there's something magical that happens
1: to women's vaginas (laughs) when you walk into a kitchen they're just automatically lubricated and it's totally fine to just immediately have sex
0: Where does this fantasy come from? Why lift people on a kitchen counter? Why? Why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) I think in my
1: analysis of that kind of situation, I think it's all about gender roles. The guy is like powerful enough to pick you up, so he has to have like a lot of like upper body strength to like pick you up and put you on the counter. He also shows that like, he's insatiable. He can't wait to go to the bedroom. This is reinforcing a lot of hegemonic masculinity stuff.
0: Wow, that's really good. And also that he's tall enough because those kitchen kids oh. are pretty tall. Uh, uh, they're not tall <laughs> enough for me, so I
1: wasn't thinking about that. But yes, I agree. And then for women, I think it's also this idea that like I'm tiny and delicate enough. to up like a special object Aww. and you place on the counter.
0: Like over the threshold, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it reminds me Yeah, well, I mean, another trope in movies is the backing a woman up against a door or something. Oh, yeah. That kind of against a wall. That seems a little bit different because you're not seeing skirt up. You know what? women who wear pants that kitchen scene won't work quite as well will it that would be very awkward <laughs>
1: please hold my skin tight pants are stuck around my calves and we can't do this right now
0: and i don't know about you pro- you're a baker Madeline is a baker she's a wonderful baker and so, so is so sharon she keeps her <laughs> kitchen counters probably spotless all the time but my kitchen counters have just a lot of gunk on it all
1: the time. And I'm not really a big fan of like having sex in the area where I'm like making, I don't know about you. Maybe that I've had too much like kitchen safety stuff beaten into me, but. Well, it turns,
0: mm. it, it turns out she is food because okay. <laughs> he starts kissing her and then performing oral sex on her. And maybe that is because he's a shorter man. Oh my so goodness. That's, that's, is he a shorter man? Am I? I, I, I he is a he shorter is. man. And so there wasn't going to be the movie style intercourse that mm. we would think. And so, and she says everything was pretty much touched and done with 10 minutes of hooking up, except for actual sex. She means vaginal intercourse, of course, by that. At this point, she is responding, I'm assuming. She's probably doing that dual consciousness thing like, hmm, this is happening really fast. mm mm-hmm. okay. Okay, it doesn't say she pushed him away. It doesn't say anything there. It's just like, okay, this is a way this is going to go. I think that's a typical reaction the kind of watchfulness about, so what's this going to develop into? And okay, I'll try this. Yeah,
1: there's also, in addition to that watchfulness, maybe some enthusiasm goes down. I imagine at this point, she was probably enthusiastically participating in like a makeout or something, being an equal participant in it. And then it started to become uncomfortable for her. And so maybe she was less enthusiastic. Maybe she wasn't moving her hands, her hands were like staying in the same place or something like that.
0: Right, and there's also, I think, a typical female experience heterosexual female experience where a guy is awkward and doesn't know what to do Yeah, and does rush it. And that you, you know, you're sort of saying, how do I not hurt his ego by saying, this does not feel very sexy right now. And Uh so you kind of go along with it and you're looking for an opening because you're kind of still open to sex, but you're kind of looking for an opening to communicate. Let's try it this way. Yeah. I would say that there was no message yet to him from her to misread. Yeah. From the stuff we know. Yeah, and and then she describes this vish, this move he keeps making. the The author is calling it a move. Uh, oh no, it's, it's a Quote from her.
1: Did we skip a second? Oh wait, wait. Oh sorry. I was like, we moved further into the scenario than I remember.
0: Okay, yes. Yeah. So then he he said he's going to go grab a condom. Okay. And and she said something like, "Whoa, let's relax for a sec. Let's chill." Okay. That sounds like a kind of, you That's know, a yellow for me in yeah. terms of like stoplight stuff. Yeah. It's a, uh, let's, and it doesn't mean I don't want to have sex or yeah. anything. It just, it just means, says Give me a few moments and we'll think. Let's talk a little. Yeah. Maybe I need more wine or something. Yeah.
1: Know? Or maybe like, I'm just enjoying the experience of like what we're doing right now. I don't want to move on to a new activity. Yeah. Because yeah. didn't this happen
0: like relatively quickly? It wasn't yeah. a- within 10 minutes up on the counter. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. And then he kept putting his fingers in his mouth. Oh, in her mouth. Okay. okay. He <laughs> Two fingers in her mouth. And I guess the quote is in my throat to wet his fingers. Um, and then he goes straight for my vagina and tried to finger me, which, and this is just kind of like making fun of him saying, calling it the claw. <laughs> <laughs> the claw. I can only think of. <laughs> I can only think of Liar
1: Liar when I think of that. Or, no, that was the wrong movie. I can only think of Jim Carrey, whatever movie that was. The <laughs> Claw!
0: <laughs> Well, and and that was, I guess she wasn't gagging. There's no gagging in here. And so she's probably still in this, I'm not liking this. And then he also physically pulled her hand towards his penis multiple times throughout the night. So we're already jumping past that first 10 minutes. And then she said, he probably moved my hand to his dick five to seven times. He really kept doing it after I moved it away. So this is what makes people I've argued about this with worry about. So they're saying, so she moved her, his hand away, but she, kept kissing him or she kept doing other things because for them or people in my generation we might look back and say yeah that's how a lot of dates have gone where you're like slowing you're the one who's the gatekeeper who's slowing someone Mm -hmm. down who's moving a hand away but that you are continuing because now you might change your mind later but it's, it's a message of not now in some in my generation is We don't fault him so much for trying again. Your generation, I think, says he needed to communicate after that first. So
1: here's the thing is like, I'm I'm technically a millennial. I feel like Gen Xers are probably what you just described. So that'd be like someone my sister's age, like someone who's like 21 or like that's straight up not okay. Wait a minute. Are you proudly saying you're a millennial? It is a fact of (laughs) of like when my birthday lands. Everyone can come fight me about like what millennial, how millennials are the worst. We'll have a good chat about it. But- I am a millennial, and I feel like we're
0: somewhere in between. Well, you're not a millennial in work habits, I just want to say.
1: I'm not a lazy millennial living in my parents' basement.
0: Entitled. You're not entitled. You you haven't asked me for a raise yet. You haven't even asked me to get paid for this.
1: yeah, I, I'm a really big fan of unpaid work, apparently. That's what a lot of what you do in graduate school. But I think my generation is somewhere in between where I think a lot of women idealize this like push-pull thing. That's the way that like you can know for sure that a man is interested in you. He does try to do this like pursuing thing. But they also have this kind of in the back of their mind, like I also feel uncomfortable with that. There's like an imaginary line that most women set up.
0: I think that's worse than my generation. I agree. I mean, I, I don't think we agree. ever thought this means. They're interested in us. We just thought, oh, they're biologically programmed to just keep pushing it, mm-hmm. and we have to be the ones who stop them because they're so, they are, they're <laughs> in <animals>. their <laughs> Something like oh, that. Yeah. But yeah, oh, I don't like that, that you prove that this proves he's really interested. Yeah. I mean,
1: I think this is like a mixed thing. Like, we're giving men back their humanity, right? They're not total animals, but yeah. it's also buying into more of those problematic sexual scripts than I really would like. I hope my generation grows out of those as we age. Or your sisters or
0: is there a new Gen Z
1: right now? I think those are the ones that are like in middle school or high school right now.
0: Oh well we shall see they're the I mean I don't know what's the porn generation they're not the Gen X's are the porn generation. Yeah. Yeah I think we'll get we'll do that on some other episode so but the main thing was according to the narrator that he wouldn't let her move away from him she describes there was 30 minutes of her getting up and moving across the room and him following and starting to stick his fingers down her throat again she said it was really repetitive it felt like a fucking game so
1: this I think is like a striking point in the scenario. I don't know if you felt that way when you first heard about this story. Moving across the room seems like something I've never done in this kind of situation. And that feels like a more clear type of messaging than some of the other stuff that she's said that
0: she said I think uh, when I have moved across the room it was to get my person coat or something yeah. and that so moving to another place I mean but she was clearly saying I want to slow it down and he took it as a game or he didn't care yeah didn't care. I guess that was bad of me to say that that he took it as a game but she says that. She it says felt that. like a fucking game like he you says, know, this is what we do you're the mouse and the cat well that is a
1: the game thing is part of sexual scripts I mean like it's not unreasonable to think that um I think sometimes when we call that I feel uncomfortable calling it a game because these are high stakes it's people I don't like the idea of like playing games with people
0: right and there's a feeling of her acquiescing a bit to this which Mm. I can understand as she says here she most of my discomfort was expressed in me pulling away and mumbling I know that my hands stop moving at some points. I stop moving my lips and turn cold. So there's this communication thing that guys can read exactly, but they choose not to read, which is go limp. You know, just yeah. Don't respond and just sit there, you know? And I'm guessing she kind of just went cold and just says, really? And doing this to my body and, so, mm-hmm. you know, and so, and we know that because we've done research. We know that guys are describing what's going through their mind when Absolutely. a woman lies unresponsive yeah. in this day and age when I guess that might've been a norm <laughs> in the 50s or in certain, what does it lie there and think of the queen or something? Oh, like Yes. <laughs> why are you applauding that one (laughs) because i think it's hilarious
1: i find like governments trying to create like reproductive policy to be
0: ridiculous Oh my gosh! Was that a government-supported motto? I- it might It was. It was. Oh, I didn't know that one. <laughs>
1: yeah, they were trying to make more people England. It was a a population thing.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Gosh, you're full of great information. Okay, but back to Ansari. Where do you want me to fuck you? He said while she was still seated on the countertop. That sounds like a porn line. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Um, And uh, she said she found the question tough to answer because she says she didn't want to fuck him at all. That's just coy writing on the part of this person. I agree. Um, And so she says next time. And he says, oh, you mean second date? And she says, oh, yeah, sure. And then I find this a comedian's funny line. Well, if I poured you another glass of wine now, would it count as our second date? That sounds like Groucho Marx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel
1: like I've made like horrible, like jokes like that. Like I don't think that's a high level of humor. I-, I think I did that even when I was like dating my husband. Oh, does this count as our second date? Because we've been here for eight hours or whatever.
0: Well, so that was cute. It's positioned in this narrative as him pushing again.
1: Yeah. And I could totally see that as, being experienced that way I think I would
0: yeah it depends how many no's came before yes <laughs> at what point do you keep pushing it's the persistence that we that makes us uneasy and uncomfortable in this and he does say the nice thing like it's only fun if we're both having fun and then they go over to the couch and then he pounces again just like Matt Cohen in junior year of high school hmm. <laughs> Was that, I think it was sophomore year of high school and here's a move that I just I don't know what to do with there's nothing that can be said about this except how rude he sat back and pointed to his penis and motioned for me to go down on him
1: I'm I have lots of things to <laughs> say about that I know you said that you don't have a lot to say I have a lot to say <laughs> because that's, that's not funny anymore it's not One, it's entitled, right? So like, it's super duper entitled. Like, I expect you to give me oral sex. Just as serious as ever as like vaginal sex or anal sex. Um, I know it's not always treated that way in America, but it's still like an intimate sexual contact. And the fact pointing like, you do this now. With him doing that, it's almost like he has a pre-programmed like order of events that he expects, like a sexual encounter to go by. And now is the time where you give me oral sex Oh
0: huh. I didn't think of it that way, but it's definitely an expectation and there's definite entitlement to it too. I guess there's this thing about it so- feels like a slave or something to me. Yes. <laughs> like perform this act. I will lie here.
1: <laughs> yes. Another woman will come and feed me grapes at the same time. Like that kind of thing. I also feel I don't know that like takes a lot of
0: sexiness out
1: of sex if that makes sense. Like being ordered to do something that Okay, way? So, so
0: let's imagine the scenario where she said, no, I'm uncomfortable, I don't want to do this. And she's back on the couch and he's chilling. And then he makes a pouty face and he like laughs and then he points. My penis is sad. You need to put that, your mouth on it to make it feel better. That I think would be funny because it's, it doesn't sound, it doesn't feel so entitled. It sounds like a little begging and then, well, it sounds typical. And then it sounds like there's an opening for her to say, no i'm sorry little boy no i you don't even like that i don't even like
1: that i don't know if i'm being just like an angry feminazi today but i don't even like that because i feel like you know that's prioritizing his needs over hers if she already said like no he can
0: survive with a case of blue balls yeah but i mean i you can't uh, fault him for asking Absolutely. So it's how he asks. So Absolutely. no, I'm p- pathetic, and no, I'm king of the universe. Yes. Right? Just so. Does this mean I'm not getting a blowjob?
1: How's that? And she goes,
0: yeah. "I like that. Be like, yeah, you're not getting one. Be like, cool. Glad we're clear." Okay. So what do you think of this language? He mm. led her from the couch to a different part of his apartment, and he brought her to a large mirror, bent her over, and asked her again, "Where do you want me to fuck?" You? Do you want me to fuck you right So I'm I'm paying attention right now to he led her and he brought her. Yeah. And we could also look at all the disgustingness of his language and, you know, the bending her over and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, it's
1: a letter brought means like he like grabbed her hand or something like her over there. I don't know if that
0: brought up in your I, mind. I just want to see it. I just want to see somebody say, where are we going? What are we doing? You yeah. know, because this is halfway through and she's already a little pissed at what's happening or at least disoriented. Especially since she was already doing the disengaging, being very
1: still. I could imagine her staying, walking really slow or something like that or having him like pull her arm to her full extent instead of like having her arm partially.
0: So we don't know how she responded to that but we do know that when he bent her over and she said no I don't think I'm ready to do this. I really don't think I'm going to do this. She's using that sweet polite language that women also. Often do because they don't want to hurt a man's feelings. Yes, it's a very gendered refusal.
1: Mm-hmm. Before we talk about this, though, I I really find it striking where he took her. I don't know if you noticed know the fact that he took her over to a large mirror, bent her over, and asked, "Do you want to fuck here?" It sounds so
0: pornified. To oh me. yeah, so so porn, so porn. He wants to be watching himself. It was too early in the relationship to say, can I take a video of this?
1: Yeah. But I think, I wonder how much that influenced his own expectations for sex And that perhaps that, that's a contributor to this.
0: And why somebody who's been so smart in his TV series doesn't see this as such a thing. Yeah. To do. So they got dressed. They're watching Seinfeld. and She'd never seen this episode before. I feel that that detail is put in there like, oh, well, this is interesting. I think I'll stay. Yeah. <laughs> Explaining why she'll stay. And then she said, that's when the reality sank in. It really hit me that I was violated. I felt really emotional all at once. And when we sat down there, that that whole experience was actually horrible. I totally believe it could just sort of occur to her, mm-hmm. all that negotiating or something like that, mm-hmm. that she felt violated. And I have no problem with that word yeah okay how about you out there (laughs) yeah I don't I don't even think the people who are sort of arguing about this case um as not for some reason not counting as a me too moment I don't know what these people think me too is about if this isn't yeah but more of that poor Aziz Ansari I think rhetoric out there but anyway I just feel like of course she could feel violated by that I mean anyone could feel violated when you say no and somebody doesn't Maybe just in one act, and mm-hmm. this just kept happening mm-hmm. over and over again.
1: I think for me, lots of people who don't count this as a violation are unable to separate impact and intention, mm. and I think that's a really important thing to kind of always keep in mind. He did not intend. He did not. I don't think he to intended violate to, to violate her. her, but the impact to her was violation. Just on the
0: other hand, I think he intended to play at violating her when he bends her over, and yes. in a pornified way. Right. Let's let's agree that we'll I'll violate you and feel powerful. Yes! Sounds
1: fun! Hooray! I love being dehumanized.
0: (laughs) When she gets a little angry. She says, you guys are all the same. You guys are all the fucking same. And he then starts kissing her. Oh my god! (laughs) I forgot about that! Oh my god! I feel so gross! I guess he misread her. I mean, that's what he's saying. I apologize if I, know. I mis- Clearly, I misread you. I hate you. Sure. Come kiss me now. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's where he's like, he's going to try no mm-hmm. matter what. And then she goes and he gives her aggressive kiss, blah, 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 with all the shenanigans about how to get in and out of a celebrity's apartment. She said he was kind of like a horny, rough, entitled 18-year-old. What a perfect description. I love that. I think that's great. And it sort of is saying, yeah, I realize this is normal for a lot of... Guys. Mm-hmm. Not normal, normative, it expected, yeah. yeah, that sort of thing, but he's a 34-year-old actor, and he's somebody that we've all looked up to
1: yeah. as feminists. I think he's just Louis C.K. in that I had higher expectations of his moral character.
0: He branded himself as a witty, woke alternative to the stereotypical douchebag bro. Yeah. And so that's it. But I guess there is one point where she goes from being violated, calling this a sexual assault. And so in our remaining time, and I know that that's where the people who are saying, I don't think this is a me, this isn't serious me too thing. And like, we should only consider the serious me too things. And I remind them, remember me too is about how all the, all the things women have, all the harassment, all the stuff we've had to put up with of a in, around sexual entitlement mm-hmm. of men and so of course it fits with that but. I think
1: also one of the things is like every time that we've like said like this is not allowed in our movement we ultimately end up regretting it. so if you think about <laughs> if you think about like with history like the women's movement the lavender menace of queer liberation was kicked out of feminist stuff and then that like essentially fractured the community lots of like women's issues have been pushed forward in ways that queer stuff has not been because of this dissolution of like similar struggles yeah well
0: go back to our feminist foremothers with the right to vote. The black women were then shoved out. I don't have exact history there. I'm really bad at history. I can't remember names or something. I don't want to, but one of those names, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, but maybe not be her, but be one of the other ones, was saying this is going to help our movement if we start to also combine it with voting rights for all. And they were like, no, you can have yours later after we
1: have ours. And then of course, like once they got the right to vote, suddenly they didn't work on the right for others. So welcoming everyone in the Me Too movement we can learn from history.
0: Everyone except Aziz Ansari? You know, at change is possible. <laughs> change is always possible. Who knows? And, uh, and many a perpetrator has gotten off by claiming they were a victim too. Mm. And I'm, I've just begun to watch the six episodes of R. Kelly oh. and I've only finished episode one. It's really hard going through, but maybe we'll talk about that sort of the trickiness of perpetrators who were once victims themselves. Yeah. I think it'd be really good. they will do that. Okay. But back to this, she says it took a really long time for me to validate this as a sexual assault. I was debating if this was an awkward sexual experience or sexual assault. And I guess her friends kind of said, yeah, we consider this a sexual assault. Yeah. She's not alone in that. So I've Read a whole
1: bunch of literature that says, like the more clear cut and the more like an expected sexual assault an actual sexual assault is, the more likely they a woman is to label it as so something like the stranger jumping out of the bushes you don't know is what lots of women have in their head is what sexual assault looks like. So the closer your actual experience is to that stranger in the bushes experience, more likely
0: you're actually able to label it. Do you know what? I just had this idea. Hmm. If you ask a bunch of men if they think this was a sexual assault, they'll say no, because they want a clear de- Dividing line between yes. it, but if you ask a bunch of rape survivors if they consider this a sexual assault, they say we're not offended by her yes. calling this a sexual assault. Absolutely, <laughs> but I think it's interesting
1: who does get offended about it.
0: Yeah, and and uh, just calling it a sexual assault does not mean it's legally. I mean, I, I had this argument with my lawyer <laughs> <laughs> But calling it a sexual assault does not mean that it uh, legally what a you're crime. Gonna, yeah, a crime that you're gonna what's the word when you bring it to court and you just sort of prosecute. Prosecute, right? Yeah, because what would she I mean what would she press you know what would she say basically the jury would say, you stayed there, and he was an asshole, and, uh-huh. and don't you know men are assholes? Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's what they would say. And I think this is a common thing that comes up with a lot of issues that we talk about on the podcast, like the inability to separate like ethical decision-making versus like what the law says. And we only care about like the ethics and the morals of a situation. Not so much, does this fit Penal Code 145.00 <laughs> or whatever. Right, and his Penal
0: Code was a <laughs> I don't know, are we, are we, I I think we could go on all day and night about him. Do you have any final thoughts about...
1: Do we want to talk about, like, this idea of miscommunication? Because I think that was, was his big response, right? Like in in the text, you said, I
0: misread things. Right. And we don't believe it because we are readers of the vast literature on the miscommunication hypothesis. Yep. And we know, what do we know? We know from our litter that uh, research shows that women say no to sex ways that are consistent with conversational norms for refusal. That just means that they say no the same way in sex as they say no to a second piece of pie. Yep. Nothing to misunderstand there and that when you show little vignette or I mean not show them when they're reading these little stories about date scenes where somebody's doing this men and women will be able to point out where in that she's saying no or she doesn't want to have sex Mm -hmm. and in modern uh, research about conversations with young adults about how they're communicating during casual sex also reveal that when you're asking about particular encounters they communicate they understand Mm -hmm. they tacitly know when somebody's into them and somebody's not into them. Yep. And most most millennials, Gen Xers. I don't know about the Zeds. They're too young yet. Know that somebody saying no, but but still sitting on your couch doesn't mean she's confused. Yes. <laughs> somebody who goes limp doesn't mean do what you will to me. Yes. Right. Somebody who moves your hand away doesn't mean try again. They might mean try again later, but not right away yes these are pretty clear things and people understand that so he's totally yeah creating his yeah and I feel for I do feel for the guys who are like so worried about losing everything because they were an asshole for a night yeah Um,
1: but I also I I feel that and also dialectically I also don't feel that because I was like welcome to my world where I have to consider my actions in in contact I'm a woman I have to think about like how I behave because like society has certain expectations
0: yeah and but you're no going back. You just can't come out and do your comedy routine and not, I just oh, saw. Oh,
1: uh, perhaps
0: <laughs> someone with initials
1: uh, as their last name uh, does that regularly and is more than welcome at like very famous, very
0: important comedy venues. Still. I think Aziz Ansari has a comedy stuff that he's doing. You don't mm-hmm. even have to go to Louis C.K. that Aziz Ansari's out there. And he's got old out performances. But what does that mean? It means, I mean, we have a president who assaults people with kisses. And Supreme Court justice. Um. So, I mean, the message is, yeah, you can get away with it, but you can't have feminists still on your side.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. Earlier, we talked about how much an incident, no matter whether you felt violated by it or not, of unwanted physical tension sticks with you. Yeah. I just find it so frustrating that it doesn't stick with them. Yeah,
0: yeah. And if he's done this once, he's probably done this to, like, you know, a dozen. And even if it's just 10%, percent one2 two women who've been armed for life mm-hmm. by this. It's, that's too many. Yeah. Can he just be more apologetic? Can they all just be more apologetic? Can they all sort of publicly say what they're doing about this? I, I, that would be a
1: topic for a whole other episode. Like, how do you come back from this? How do you ethically respond to these
0: types of allegations? I love it. We will do that. Sounds like we're wrapping up. We, of course, want to thank Dan, our wonderful sound engineer and editor. Yes.
1: Thank you so much, Dan. We really appreciate you. When we were prepping for the podcast, Sharon was reminding me about how you used to be in the uh, room right next door to our lab, and you used to listen to all the conversations we were having in research team.
0: And then shouting things out, like, have you heard about this in the news? And so once again, you're um, you're the man on the sidelines supporting our efforts, and we appreciate it. And we want to thank you, Mass Boston, for this lovely windowless room in which we're doing yes recording and for all of the people in our department and our research team who didn't barge in and interrupt us yes because they definitely can hear us because the walls are there. and we're laughing so hard i'm sure they want to be part of it oh boy yeah (laughs) and we want to thank all of our listeners which it's they're increasing they are it's very exciting we thank you
1: guys so much
0: and yes we're going to end with our our uh, trademark sign-off and advice to you all Yes. Be good, be good, be good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we didn't talk about Um, Daisy. Ah, it's okay.